0: If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you.
1: In the video portrayal of the scripture in John 15 and 16, we see that Jesus and the disciples are walking through the streets of Jerusalem at night. It's lit by the torches, and as they walk and wind through the streets, Jesus continues to teach them. He teaches them about His promise. And one of the things that He assures them of is that if they abide in Him, if they keep His commandments, that He will fill them with His joy. Well, that joy comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit in us and with us. So when we're going, especially when we're in times of anxiety or strife or uncertainty, what we need more than anything is the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand the truth of God's Word because that's the fuel that the Holy Spirit uses to bring forth the words of Jesus and apply them to our heart and our life. But we also need His presence to fill us with joy. Jesus promised that He would give the Holy Spirit to live in every believer and to dwell with us. The Holy Spirit not only lives in us as a guarantee that we belong to God, but He dwells with us. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're to make our hearts His home. But what in reality are we really talking about when we speak of the filling of the Holy Spirit? Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will guide us will comfort us, will teach us, will empower us. But in order for that to happen, we must surrender to His control. Understand this, God won't negotiate with you for shared ownership over your life. He is God and you are not. We are always second. And so it's a matter of control. In fact, Ephesians puts it this way. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And what he's saying there, what Paul is saying, when he's, is it's a matter of control. Who is driving your life? Who's directing your life? To be filled with the Spirit, we must be submitted to His presence, to His power, and to His purpose. The Holy Spirit will fill those who are asking for Him, and who are willing to give complete control up to the Lord. Now, the way that we see this works in the Scripture, it it helps us to, to understand how this fits together when we see how the Holy Spirit is revealed to us throughout the Bible. It's the presence that we see of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do now is show you a brief video clip about the presence, because you see, when we encounter the Holy Spirit, we discover that He comes to us in different ways that represent His work in our heart and life. Throughout the Scriptures, He's appeared as fire, as wind, and as an earthquake. And so let's watch this clip to kind of just give us an overview of the presence of God, and then we'll explore exactly how it works in your life and my life. Well, the first sign that we want to look at is how the Holy Spirit works and appears in our life like a mighty rushing wind. Throughout the scripture, we see him revealed as a tornado or as a whirlwind. And that refers to the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, think about it. Over my shoulder is a windmill. And the wind is an amazing thing because we cannot see it. We can feel it and we can see its effects but it's invisible. In the same way, the Holy Spirit works in our heart and life. We can't see Him, but we can see the effects of His presence and we can sense the power of who He is and what He is doing in our life. Notice also, if there's no wind, a windmill won't turn. The same's true in our life spiritually. If we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're not able to accomplish God's purpose and work. Just as a windmill needs the wind in order to turn and produce power, so do our lives as well. All through the Scripture, we see God revealing Himself in this whirlwind. God answered Job, it says, out of the whirlwind in Job 38, verse 1. In Ezekiel's first vision of God's glory, it begins with a whirlwind in Ezekiel 1, 4. In His other vision, in the valley of dry bones, The Holy Spirit was the present wind that blew into the lifeless bones and brought them to life. And that's such an important picture because not only does the Holy Spirit give us power, the Holy Spirit gives us life. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 20. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This was the Holy Spirit coming to live in them. It was that deposit, that guarantee that every believer has. The Lord breathes His Spirit into you, giving you spiritual life. How beautiful it is that the very God who breathed physical life into Adam at creation breathes spiritual life into each and every one of His followers. He gives us the Holy Spirit as the breath of life. We see then in Acts chapter 2 that as the filling of the Holy Spirit, which is different than just that deposit within us, that breath of life, the filling of the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2. And it says this, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Well, why a wind? Why does... God used that as a representation of His presence. No, it's not His literal presence, but it, it's how we understand and connect with it. The word for spirit and the word for breath are the same in both Hebrew, which is ruha, um, and in Greek, which is numo. Breath and spirit are synonymous. And the word for wind is the, from the exact same root as both spirit and breath. And so, it's a reminder that just as we need breath to have life, we need the Holy Spirit to have spiritual life. Just as we need oxygen in order for our bodies to function, we need the presence of God's Spirit to thrive and live spiritually. In John chapter 3, Jesus is instructing Nicodemus, and He he says this. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say this to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. In the natural creation, God breathed life into the first humans. Likewise, it is only the Spirit of God who can breathe spiritual life into us as well. This is what it means to be born again. And so you see that Jesus is using this imagery that His disciples, and especially Nicodemus, who was very familiar with the Scriptures, should have understood. But we must not stop at birth. The Holy Spirit gives life to us spiritually, just as oxygen gives life to our bodies. But the modern church, unfortunately, suffers from spiritual asthma because we are not being filled continually with the Holy Spirit. When we try to do God's work in our strength, it doesn't work. It doesn't produce fruit. The Bible says that the things that happen in our life by the Spirit and with the Spirit, but more than these, the Bible says that the Spirit lives within us and gives life to us. So we need the Spirit. Ephesians puts it this way, In Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Without the Spirit filling us, no new life will come into our being. He imparts life. So maybe today you're discouraged. Maybe you just, like I said, maybe you just feel lifeless. Would you pray and ask the Lord to blow fresh life, to breathe fresh life into you? with the presence of His Holy Spirit. Now remember, there's a condition. We have to give control over to Him. And Jesus says, we have to obey His commandments. If we love Him, we'll obey His commandments. We'll love others as Christ loved us. We'll allow the Holy Spirit to change us, to transform us. But when we do, and we ask the Lord, and say, Lord, I give You control of my life. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. He promises to bring new life, and new joy into us. When we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, He takes your life and my life, and just as a wind brings forth power and energy into a windmill, the Holy Spirit will bring forth life and energy into you and into the church. Well, the second symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit that we see in the Scriptures is that of a fire. Now, why fire? It's because it represents purifying our walk, purifying our life. We need to remember that God is holy. In fact, the scripture frequently refers to Him as a consuming fire. Also, we saw in Pentecost that there were tongues of fire that appeared over each and every person. Now, here's why that's so remarkable. In the Old Testament, the visible evidence of God's presence was a pillar of fire. That pillar of fire showed that God was with His people. They could look there towards the tabernacle and they could see at night this pillar of fire that was glowing, that represented that God was with them. It said that God was with His people, the nation of Israel. In the book of Acts, though, God takes that from being a corporate presence to being an individual presence, where He is with each and every believer, where He fills them with His Shekinah. His glory is with us. The Holy Spirit represented as fire is a reminder that God is holy and also that God is filled with glory. It's a beautiful picture and we see it traced all through the scripture. Let me give you some examples. Abraham saw a flaming torch that passed in the middle of an offering as he made his covenant with God, or more accurately, God made his covenant with him in Genesis. Moses saw a burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. The fire of God descended upon the altar when Solomon dedicated the temple in 2 Chronicles. The Israelites saw fire coming down. And the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, His love endures forever, and His glory filled the temple, and they saw His presence as a flaming fire. The Scriptures in Hebrews says our God is a consuming fire. So fire represents His presence with us and in us. At Pentecost it went from that corporate presence over Israel as a nation to a personal presence with each and every believer. Think about that. Everything that we read about in Exodus where we see portrayed God's presence with His people and the miracles that He did is now a presence that's with each and every believer. Fire is an amazing thing. It can be the most frightening substance on earth or it can be the most welcoming. Fire gives light. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives direction and wisdom. Fire gives warmth. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. Fire gives security. The Holy Spirit reminds us of who we are in Christ Jesus and that He goes before us, just as the fire led the children of Israel through the wilderness. But also fire purifies. The Holy Spirit works in us to transform us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And fire consumes that which does not look like Jesus in us. So even as the power, the mighty rushing wind, is for each of us, so too the fire is for each of us. That fire is a refining fire of God's presence that changes us, that cleanses us, that makes us more like Him. It was prophesied about him in the Old Testament that he would appear as a consuming fire. So we need to surrender to his control and ask the Lord to purify us. Malachi chapter 3 says it this way, Behold, I send my messenger, this was John the Baptist, and he will prepare the way before me. That's before Jesus. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to you to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, He is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of His coming, and who can stand when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and He will purify the sons of Levi, which were the priests, and refine them like gold and silver." And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. The Holy Spirit will refine you. He will purify you to make you look more and more like Jesus. And the way that he does that is he uses the fire of trial. By by the way, this is one reason why the prosperity claims of those who preach a gospel of health and wealth, if you just have enough, enough faith, you won't get sick or you won't suffer difficulty, it is absolutely a lie because God will use trials. He will use His fire to purify us, to change us. No one had more faith than Jesus, and yet He suffered and died. We live in a world that's broken by sin, and sin causes suffering. But God also can use our trials, He can use our suffering to refine us in ways that nothing else can. The truth is that when I'm comfortable, I don't change. I don't grow, and neither do you. It takes the refiner's fire of the Holy Spirit working in us, oftentimes through trials, to change us. This is why James says, um, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking Nothing. The Holy Spirit refines us to make us more and more like Jesus. He'll take trials, he'll take testing, he'll take difficulty and suffering in our lives to change us. There's a great illustration uh, about this of three ladies who were part of a Bible study were talking about being refined by fire. And they didn't really understand what that meant. And so one of them volunteered to go to a silversmith and to see exactly what that meant, what that passage in Malachi was all about. And what she did is she went there to the silversmith and watched him work at the fire. She began to ask questions because the silversmith would tell her that he would purify the silver until he knew it was absolutely pure. And she finally asked him the question, "Well, how do you know that the silver is pure and that all the dross, all the impurities have been burned away?" And the silversmith said, "Oh, that part is the easiest part. You see, I know it's pure when I can see my reflection in the silver." The same's true in us. Only the reflection is not of us, it is of Jesus. Fire represents the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is the one who sets us free from the power of sin in our lives so that Jesus can be seen in us and through us. Ask the Lord how He needs to purify you. Surrender to His control. And yes, that may mean times of trial and difficulty, but the end result will be that you and I when we submit to his control, we'll look more and more like Jesus. And isn't that exactly what we want our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, the strangers on the street? Isn't that what they, we want them to see is Jesus reflected in us? If that takes a refiner's fire of the Holy Spirit, then I want to say, Lord, bring forth your fire. Purify me. So that I may look like Jesus Christ. We've seen how the presence of the Holy Spirit is represented in the wind by that breath of life and that power that fills us, that gives us the ability to bring honor and glory to the Lord and to serve His purposes. We've also seen how the presence of the Holy Spirit functions like fire to refine us. But the third symbol that we see in the Scripture is that of an earthquake. Well, it's a little more difficult to find a way to demonstrate what an earthquake looks like, but maybe these ripples here along this skateboard path show you an idea of what it would be like to have the world, those tectonic plates, be shifted underneath us. Because the scripture refers to the presence of the Holy Spirit as moving us, as shaking things like an earthquake. In Acts chapter 4, it says this, When they had prayed, the churches together gathered in an upper room in one accord. It says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. The earthquake representing God's presence is a powerful reminder of just how big God is. That His presence, His control is over all circumstances, over all the earth. And what we see in the scripture there is that God will shake things up, both in our life and in our world. Listen to what it says about the shaking that the Holy Spirit does in the book of Hebrews. It says, See that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they had refused Him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject Him who warns us from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake, and not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, the things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Here in Hebrews, we're reminded that God is in control. He controls the world around us. He controls the circumstances that we're under. He controls things even like COVID, a pandemic that goes across the earth. And God has and will shake this world to reveal who He truly is. Each of the signs, the whirlwind, the fire, and the earthquake, represent the power of God. These signs have been seen before kings. God appeared to Elijah. First, there was a whirlwind. Then there was a fire. Then there was an earthquake. But when God finally spoke, when He spoke to Elijah, it was a gentle whisper. Do you see the contrast between those things? The power of a mighty wind, the refining power of fire, and the shaking of an earthquake. And yet when God speaks to His own, He speaks in a whisper. To those who do not know Jesus personally, the Holy Spirit is calling you right now to come to Him for salvation. To the church, He is calling us to be surrendered to His control. In each of the symbols, we see a picture of what God wants to do in us and through us. When we look around, when we're unsettled by the things that we see in the world, we need to remember that God perhaps is shaking things in order to draw people to Himself. He's shaking the world around us so that people will recognize that they have need, that they're not in control, that things are beyond their abilities. Because it is in those moments that hearts are most likely to turn to God. So as you see the world around you shaking, it's a time to go to prayer, to intercede for those around you, for those in your family, for your friends, for the people in your workplace, that God will use the shaking, the uncertainty of our world, to bring people to faith in Him. I believe that during this pandemic, God is shaking the foundations of many people And we're seeing an outpouring, a revival of people turning to the Lord, of of asking spiritual questions at a time like I've not seen before in my life. And so I'm thankful that the Lord is shaking things up. And I'm confident that we can come to Him because He has given us something that cannot be shaken, cannot be moved, His power, His life, and His kingdom. So wherever you are, in your relationship with the Lord right now. He's inviting you to ask to have more of Him in your life, for Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He's asking you to to welcome Him as the breath of life who can fill you with joy. He's asking you to empower your life so you can be a bold witness for Him. He's asking you to allow Him to cleanse you, to refine you like fire. And He's asking you and I to trust Him even when the world around us is shaking because He is in control. And here's what happens. In the midst of all of those, and this is what we'll look at next week, you'll begin to hear Him whispering, speaking into the, to your heart and your mind, saying, my son, my daughter, remember, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even though everything around you seems like it's shaking, I am with you. Would you put more of your trust in me? Next week, we're going to look specifically at what Jesus tells us in John 16. And in John 16, we discover more about how the Holy Spirit works in the world and how he speaks into our life and how we can discern between the voice of the Spirit and the voice of the flesh or of the world. So join us next week as we go deeper into seeing that we truly are never alone, just as Jesus promised.